Hey guys, Derek here from Suck It. We'll get started here in just a second, but first, a few messages from our sponsors. Hey guys, we're Tony and Stacy of Mom's Talking Shit Podcast. Are the kids wearing you down? Significant other got you about to catch a case? Then we are here for you. So pour your cup of coffee, glass of wine, or roll up that joint and let us laugh you off that ledge. We're talking all kinds of topics. Everything from mom stories, family meal ideas, some TV, and home projects. We're available on all major platforms, including Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Also find us on our Instagram page at Mom's Talking Shit Podcast. We promise not to disappoint. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? No, 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 I didn't hear I you. Didn't hear you. you. I, said, I, said, I said, are, are you, you ready? ready? Well, DCK, DCK Productions Productions proudly, proudly brings to you, to you, to you, to you no, sex, no sex, no drugs, no drugs but a whole, whole lot, lot, lot of rock and rock and rock and rock and rock. Welcome, everybody, to No Sex, No Drugs, But a Whole Lot of Rock and Roll. I, of course, am joined by my beautiful co-host on the West Coast, Nicole Carson. Beautiful today is questionable. Let me just step in real quick. Eh, that's that's (laughs) your opinion. (laughs) Either way, we're going to start this um, show off with your debut song from Monday. Yeah. Heaven, heaven is a place on earth, and then we'll get going from there. So All here right. it is. I love it. Ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth? Sound of kids on the 
That's oh, so awesome. Dude, I can't get over Aaron's robe. Every time I watch this video, he just kills me with the robe. Oh my God, it's so good. It is good. Uh, I just have one question. Charlie, are you the one that mixed the, the song too? Yes. And I got to so, say, I think Aaron takes the cake. He does. He does, 100%. <laughs> but I have a question. The backup singer, uh, the dude... It sounds like you Jason Newsteaded him from all and justice for all and kind of <laughs> toned him down a little bit. No, it's all I mean, <laughs> what we did with that it was uh we blended those. So if 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 we muted all that stuff in the course, you'd hear it shrink. Okay. So the idea was to have it feel like one kind gotcha. of um full vocal coming out as opposed to hearing a bunch of the separate vocals. And it's thick. I mean, his his vocals in there thick, but we also have a doubles and a coal there. Okay. So much, Nicole, so much Nicole. So much Nicole. So much Nicole. All right. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that song is awesome. Yeah. And like, seriously, we're trying. Like, I still feel like I told Charlie this. I said, I was kind of joking, but I wasn't. I was like, I'm going to promote this shit every freaking week for the rest of my goddamn life. <laughs> so it's still. So far, she's living up to that. Yeah. So, you know, Facebook, YouTube, um, Instagram. I think Alex and Patrick might have put it on. Um, some others all have to get the streaming service they put it on. I don't, I don't have like Twitter and all that stuff, but they do. So they might've put it on there, but yeah, it's like, it did really well the first week. I mean, it hasn't yeah. even been a week and I think it has like almost 3000 on just Facebook. And then I know between Aaron and me and the rest of the group, it has some thousands of plays on Instagram and we're trying to get it better. I'm trying to be better. Charlie knows this at YouTube. Cause I just, it's, it's just, it's a it, very it difficult takes, thing. That one's, so. It's hard. YouTube takes a lot of effort, you know, and it's it very yeah. different than Instagram, Facebook, you know, and what you have. Yeah, to I'm do. good at those. Um, so, yeah, we're still pushing it. But Charlie owns Ultimate Studios, Inc. He's, you can see it behind him. He's there right now. And it's <laughs> so pretty. Here. You're always there. Um, here in L.A. And, uh, yeah, he helped me sound good. He's the one I'm, behind yeah. The, the, yeah, I went there. I was like, I need you to record me. I can't do this shit. <laughs> I can't. I need like professional, <laughs> professional shit going on. And then he mixed everything. So everyone basically like remotely recorded themselves and then sent Charlie all of their tracks. And then he's like the mastermind behind the audio and put it all together. And dude, like I listened to the rough track that we had the first, like that first night. And then I listened to the, it's like night and day. Good. <laughs> like I didn't that even recognize I didn't even recognize the song just because of like everything you did. So yeah, we're really excited to have you on. I wanted to have you on just because I knew that a lot of people listening, like this is clearly a music-based podcast, if you couldn't tell already. Um, we love music. We love talking music. I love the so, title. Yeah. I just like that I still look like I have horns growing out of my, my freaking <laughs> head right now. That's awesome. Um, no, but like I, I thought it would be cool because you – you've worked with so many really great bands and great artists in your studio. And I met you, was it like, when did we first work? To, that was MI, that was 2007. Is that when you went? Was it that yeah. long ago? Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. So I've known you for a really long time. Let's not talk years though, cause that makes- <laughs> I'm like 27, so I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you're like no day over older than 21, obviously. 20, 20 years ago, I stopped you know, I started turning 27 every year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about no, to hit that like, year next year. Yeah. Are we all? We're all, let's just all be 27 again. Yep. That would be great. That's no, what but, I feel like anyway, so. 
Well, you look at, you look at, obviously. I mean, look at you, your hair, you have I'll better get, hair I'll than- I'll get that check to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, you know, this LA is like saturated with, I mean, engineers, producers, people who own their own studios. And I feel yeah. like this, like COVID-19, it's either made you or break you. Like a lot of my, you know, people I know have gone out of business from it. And like, it's just sad. So I'd love for you to talk about how did you kind of start your business and, you know, just driving in a market that's so saturated with people doing the same thing you are. Right. You know, how do you stand out? Cause you, you are great at branding and you're really great at marketing. And I think people either have that or they don't, you know, well, I, I mean, to a degree, I think you're right with that. A lot of it I've, I've learned along the way too, cause I've made plenty of mistakes, <laughs> but honestly I did, as I got into the studio thing, I didn't really think about it at all, how saturated it was, how difficult it was going to be. It wasn't until I'd, you know, five years into this, I went, holy crap, I built a studio in LA. What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> but, you know, I came into it as a player, as you know, you know, I, I've, mm-hmm. you know I'm a drummer by trade. I started when yeah. I was nine. He's a great you know, drummer. Been to school, two different music schools for, you know, music and everything. So I, all the people I knew was because of a player. I did a lot of session work. And then I, I started the studio, the one that you worked at the first time with us, which was down in Hollywood, a little tiny room. Tell him about, there. yeah, talk about that one real quick and like how you grew from that to where you are. That was a, we were down by Paramount, like Santa Monica and Gower, right across the street from Paramount Studio. It didn't even have a door. I felt like it had like this little mini kind of door that looked like the back of an alley that you get raised That's what in. it was. It was the back yeah. of the alley. You know, it said studio <laughs> entrance on the top, but like there's foliage everywhere. You thought you're going to get killed coming in. Yeah. You know, you walk in, it's all dirty. You know, the carpet's probably been the same since 1970. And, you know, and my room was just one tiny room and it was tiny. It was maybe 250 square feet. You know, it wow. was really small, but it had 13 foot ceiling. And I got that room specifically for me, I was going to do drums for, for people because this is before the whole home studio thing was was widespread this was 2005 maybe and I did that for a couple years and then a couple friends heard what I was doing over there and said hey I need to record this drum track and I just come over and do it at your place it sounds great yeah sure you know which led to hey can you record bass too can I bring my bass player yeah sure hey can you record guitars too you know <laughs> yeah sure and the next thing I know I'm recording everyone else but I'm not recording me <laughs> and I didn't care. It didn't phase me because I was having a blast doing it. I kind of liked working with people in that capacity. I was still playing, you know, at that time we had this uh, burlesque show that we did in Hollywood at Ivan Kane's 40 deuce. That was one of the most fun shows. And I can't believe that show didn't kill me. We had a little too much fun, but we had that going on. So there was a lot of that. And then by day I was, you know, I was at MI teaching a little bit. And then I had people coming over and recording in this small space. And it got to the point where, I mean, that room is 250 square feet, what, maybe 12 by 13 or something like that. You know, it's not a very big room. Yeah. And I'm recording full bands live. I'd have the drummer in one corner. I'd put, you know, a vocalist in the other corner. I'd have a guitar player over here. I'd shove the keyboard player in somewhere. Bass players, whatever, you know, stick them wherever in the room. And then I would literally, I had this old Allen and Heath console that Ernest and I had. And you know, it'd be right here and I wouldn't have room. So I'd sit under it and I'd have the keyboard and I'd literally just like hit stop <laughs> for takes because there was no room for me to sit anywhere. And at that point I kind of went, Hmm, I think I need a bigger room. <laughs> 
And so I started looking, and as you know, uh, real estate in LA is not cheap. Oh, no? Yeah. And I looked everywhere. You know, I looked the west side. I looked down in Culver City. I looked all over the valley. I looked in Hollywood, even though I was kind of tired of Hollywood at the time. I wanted out. And I was trying to find a place that maybe was already kind of pre-built so I wouldn't have to do a lot of that. And what you got for your money was not a lot. So I decided, screw that. I'm going to build a place. And I, so I started looking around just for open spaces. And, I, and where I'm at now, I'm like 100 yards from where they filmed the office. You know, it's a great spot up here. It's on a cul-de-sac. So it's, it's up in the valley, but it's quiet. And I took about three and a half months. My, one of my students or former students from MI was also a contractor, Mike Bondra. And he helped me. He and I basically built this thing, the two of us. We hired his crew a little bit. We uh, coerced Ernesto to come, my partner, to come over and hang uh, some, you know, insulation and stuff. And then he and Ernesto and I wired it all. But it took us about three months. And at that point, I just shut down the old studio. I told all everyone I was working with, going, look, just wait just a little bit. This is going to be way freaking better. And I went from 250 square feet to 1,600. And, you know, three rooms, a full control room, a live room, ISO booth, the whole nine yards. And it at that point, I was like, oh, I guess I'm doing this for real. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't think about that either. I mean, I can't stress enough how little I thought about this. It's a Parks and Rec, you know, if anybody's seen Parks <laughs> yeah. and Rec. You know <laughs> but I, um, I mean, I just knew that I loved doing it. And this is, I don't know what else I'm going to, this is all I'm going to do. I've done it since I was nine. And basically since I heard the intro drum fill into the verse of Shout at the Devil by Motley Crue, game was over. <laughs> I was nine, you know? So ever since then, it's so I, I, I don't want to make it sound like I don't think, which is the case sometimes, but this is just kind of a natural progression of, I wasn't worried about, is it saturated in LA? Uh, is are there a million other engineers or producers or whatever? Because there were a million other drummers in this damn city. There's guitar players, everything. You know, if, if you think about those things, I think that'll actually uh, holds you back. You know, of course, now I think about marketing and try to, you know, how to differentiate myself and that sort of thing. But that's on top of what I already do. I, that doesn't replace me just doing it. Because I, I think that's the most important thing is really, and Nike's had it right all these years, man, just do it. Just do it. Because yeah. if you don't, it won't matter. You know, yeah. nothing's going to happen. And some of it was natural progression. And some of it is I didn't know any better. Sure. I'm a musician. I love working with musicians. I found the thing that people wanted more out of me was being an engineer than a drummer. <laughs> so, and I was fine with that and it just moved that way naturally. And I just kind of rolled with it. And it wasn't until years later, I kind of looked back and went, Oh, Oh, that's what happened. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like it all, it probably went by so fast. Like time flies when you're. Oh yeah. I mean, I've been in this place seven years now since I built oh it. And it, this was a shoe box when I got it. You know, I've, I should have find those photos of the day I got the keys and I walked in and literally it's just an open. I would love to see that. Hanging yeah. everywhere. And, you know, it was just nothing. The only thing, the room that was here was the tiny office in the front and the bathroom. And then I have a picture from two hours after I was in here. I had already ripped everything out of the ceiling. It's all over the floor and game was on. Oh, my God. There was no looking back. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't think I do kind of believe in I mean obviously planning things out and you have to I do think a little more about marketing and those things now, but I also think there's something to jumping in with both feet. You know, I have an overall goal in my head of what I want to do. 
So I know I'm going that direction. So I'm not going to step back and wait unless something doesn't work. Once, once you run into something that, Oh, Hey, that didn't work so well. Okay. Let's step back and figure out why yeah. and yeah. Then change it, abandon it, whatever. But for the most part, I am a wake up every day and you move forward. Yeah. Period. I don't yeah. I feel happening. the same way. I mean, I, I feel the same way. I'm like when I first started doing the podcast and when I first, you know, started talking about opening up my own business, which is a, uh, <clears throat> social media advertising, you know, graphics arts, web design, you know, company. It was all about screw what everybody else is doing. Fuck them. I'm, I'm doing my own thing. I'm not yeah. taking any advice from anybody. It, it is what it is. Cause like, you know, when you first started getting into podcasting, they tell you, well, get like a library first, do eight, like eight or nine episodes and then upload them all at once. Therefore they can binge it and kind of get a feel for who you are. And then they'll get you know hooked. Fuck that. I did one at a time, <laughs> you know, and then we launched, we launched our own business this past week. Um, me and my partner and it's just like it, things are just starting to roll and it's like one thing after another now it's mm -hmm. just it's overwhelming because it just takes one opportunity and then just fucking skyrockets from there it's crazy right exactly yeah but i i mean i'm i'm with you on that the same this we did the same thing with the youtube channel is i started out just doing it and putting it up you know i didn't now i try to like plan it out a little more ahead so i have a backlog just because of time you know so i i have videos ready so some, some weeks if I'm like, crap, I got sessions. I don't have enough time to shoot a video, you know, what I need this week. Oh, cool. I already got that one. Bam. But that was never the, the plan to start with. The, and my channel was built through the live streaming because we started doing that maybe three or four years ago. And the day we started live streaming, I had 400 followers and I had had 400 followers for about six years. <laughs> no growth whatsoever. And we start live streaming to maybe two people maybe three, the first couple months, four people, five people. And then all of a sudden one day it was 20 people and then it was 30 people. And then we had a consistent 40, 50 people joining us every single broadcast. And all of a sudden the channel within about eight months, I went from 400 subscribers to 10,000. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, now something's happening. And now we're at 15,000, which isn't giant numbers on YouTube. They're not, but it's significant enough to where things are moving in yeah. a very fun way. And there's a lot of community going on with people that is, makes it a whole lot of fun. Yeah. But we didn't, I didn't sit, sit and, you know, you watch, I, I, I like the fact that what you said, you didn't think about, you said, fuck that. And you just did it and started, you know, doing it your way and making it happen because you can get uh, polarized or paralyzed by watching gurus. And I had to throw even myself cause I do educational stuff, you know, don't always listen to me, but you can get <laughs> paralyzed by watching people tell you how to do it or what to do to where you don't do anything yeah. or you're doing it someone else's way and maybe we can always learn something from other people but at the end of the day you've got to just do it and try to figure out what your way is going to do and yeah. if that's just saying fuck it upload one at a time and go then just go you yeah. know, put the pedal down and make that shit happen exactly i mean even with like the way we structured our business prices you know like with uh, digital media and marketing and social media management and all that video creation and stuff like that you know you know better better than anybody most of the time companies like that charge by the hour right well we said fuck that so we want to be a company for small businesses who can't afford well i don't know what's going to happen by the hour could have being a 10 hours and cost me 2 grand i can't afford that so we do everything um, flat rate Oh, which that's is nice. something something so that like, was completely differently is it package deal kind of yep. thing you have here's what you get for this here's yep, what you get for that it starts as little 75 dollars a week 
and goes up to $275 a week. And then we have custom packages from there. Oh, nice. So, I mean, it's perfect for small businesses and we've right. already gotten, and we've only been open for three days and we've already started building a client list. That's ridiculous. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's great. You're like, Derek, what was the, the other episode you had with the voice guy on it? And what did he say? He said, don't create music for other people. Do it for yourself. Oh, so yeah. yeah last Wednesday I had um, a season 11 finalist. His name is uh, Josh Gallagher from the voice. Um, he's now a country music star. And uh, I told him about Nicole, you know, getting ready to audition for the voice. And he goes, I don't know if she needs any advice, but I'm gonna give her one piece, you know, don't sing what the, ju what the judges think you want to hear or what they want to hear. Think, sing what's good for you. So don't go in there performing for them. Perform for yourself. And I was like, that's a really good idea. So, I mean, that kind of holds true to business and everything else in between. Do it yeah. for yourself. Mm -hmm. Do what you do best and just hold fucking true. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that is especially for artists making music. You know, so many people out there are chasing, you know, what's hot now because they want to be seen or famous or whatever reason. And, Man, if you're, I'm just going to speak purely for the music business on this. I, I'm, maybe it uh, relates to others too, but if you're doing this purely for money, go do something else because there are mm -hmm. way easier ways to make money. Yeah. Way, way easier. easier. Yeah. And the people that I think actually make a, any sort of mark or even have a lasting career, there's plenty of people that are regional artists I've never heard of making great money in the music businesses doing their thing. Correct. So I think that advice is, that's great advice. You got to do this for you and you got to do your version of it. Yeah. I mean, I even asked him because when I interview, I have like a very, very Howard Stern type interview style. I ask personal questions that really kind of dig deep just to kind of be an asshole about it. And waiting, man, what the hell? I know. Well, no, <laughs> Come on. Hey, this Come on. is, Hey, I will get there, but um, <laughs> well, trust me, it's coming. Okay. Um, you started. <laughs> but I asked him, I go, Hey, look, you know, you've, you just got off the voice in 2016, 2017. You've only released two albums. You haven't made a big yet. I mean, you know, as well as I do, you haven't made it big yet. You know, your album just released prior to COVID in March, your second album. You're not making money off of album sales. You're making money off of touring. You can't tour. How are you doing financially? I, I asked that question and he was, he was taken aback by it. But at the same time, he was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking answer it. Cause I want people to know. Mm -hmm. And he was very candid. He was like, luckily my wife's still working. And you know, for some odd reason, my album sales actually did really better like than they normally have. And I'm actually making money off of albums, which is kind of odd. Mm. And that's, uh, I mean, he's like, so I'm, I'm, I'm steady right now. He goes, I can't wait to get back on the road and actually make real money. But at the same time, we're, we're, you know, living week to week, but we're doing all right. And I thought that was really, really cool, especially for somebody like that right now to be so candid. Right. Because, I mean, um, Ronnie Radke of Falling in Reverse came out a couple weeks ago and said, yes, your main money is uh, touring. But he said, you know what? The, the future of music isn't in album sales. It's in singles sales. So, like, mm. Falling in Reverse said they're never going to put out another album. They're only going to release singles throughout the year. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, I mean, if you think about it, that's how the music business started. It wasn't. A, it didn't start with albums or EPs. It started with singles. They printed the vinyl. The song went out as a yeah. single. Then they did another single. You know. Then it went to radio as a single. It wasn't till the album didn't come in till much later. So in yeah. some ways, we're cycling back as for a reset. You know, which isn't a bad thing. No, definitely not. I definitely. I I kind of agree with that, because when you go onto Amazon Music or when you go to, you know, Apple Music, whatever. 
and you just search for a band, nine times out of 10, their number one song that's out right now is going to be at the top of their list, not their number one album. Right. So, so searching it that way and playing it that way is just much more easy. Like I use Amazon music. And when you go in, you search an album, I mean, search an artist, their top songs come up and you can just hit, you can just hit, you know, shuffle and all their, their best songs play. It's not their best albums. You can, now you can go in there and choose an album and listen to it, you know, you know, cover to cover, but at the same time, right. it's, it's about the singles. So I kind yeah, of agree with that. I don't that. like those algorithms, man. I like to find that stuff myself. <laughs> you know because the deep cuts a lot of the times end up being the best songs anyway but i think a- along that I-, I do think the art of the album has taken a hit in the way we produce music now that because it's people are writing so much more single oriented that a lot of the songs end up albums tend to have a kind of a singular sound now to where song five, song six doesn't sound all that different from song one, song two. You know, they're trying to keep it to where it's familiar to you, which I think is that's part of what's been dangerous and detrimental to the album. Not so much as people just don't want to buy an album anymore. People aren't writing great albums anymore. They might have a great single, maybe two good songs on there. There are some doing full albums, but the creativity of the album has taken a hit in the way that the music is being produced to where there's no roller coaster ride anymore. There's no reason to listen through the whole album because song five and six doesn't sound all that different from song three and four. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? yeah. and, See, and that's not everybody. I, it's a, that's a bit of a generalization, but from my research, and I do spend a lot of time listening to music, that is something that I've noticed as I mm-hmm. listen to artists. It's also easier to produce a single and get it out. It's easier to get singles out now, you know, because you don't have to be in there with the lathe turn in the vinyl and try to figure out how to get it out, record it, upload it, boom. So there's a lot of benefits to that for sure. But I do think if if the creativity of the album, if if you look at it or an EP, I love EPs. I think five songs, that's a great thing for an artist because it's... It fits a lot of the, you know, attention span, unfortunately, now. But it also gives enough movement for someone to be kind of creative with their songs in there to where you can grab them. You know, if you're creative with it, don't try to write the same song or don't try to make every song sound the same in your production. Mm-hmm. I would, if I mix in an EP for my artist, I don't even reference the song before. Once the song number one is done and mixed, I don't listen to it again until everything is done. Yeah. Because I don't want that in my head. I don't want that song to have that same framework if it could use something else you know like you mentioned the, even the vocals on Nicole's all of those things are I, I mean I think that's a great question because it's it's easy to second guess all that stuff now and I kind of when I'm mixing it's more emotional you know what's how does something make me feel than how does that I mean obviously there's a lot of technical crap going on here but I try to set that up in the beginning so I don't have to think about it later and sometimes, like Patrick sounded fantastic. He's a yeah. he, great vocalist, man. <laughs> yeah. But the when when I was putting all, the whole thing together, it didn't. The song didn't feel the same to me when I heard that much separation in there because the rest of it's kind of glued together. So as I put that together, I put it in a place where if I turn him off, you'll notice the size of the vocals shrinks. Nothing is Nicole. Sounds great. But the whole thing, it was more like this whole round thing that's all glued together in a way that you can't really discern the parts. It was more about all those parts making one thing than hearing all the separate ones. And I just liked how that made me feel when I heard it. And then Nicole came over and finished it off. You know, we finished that together. And as we got into it, she's like, okay, yeah, you know, we didn't make any changes. She felt good about it. So we kind of left it that way. 
and then you move on. It wasn't a, I didn't, wasn't trying to be, you know, Lars. <laughs> Jason New said that shit at all. Not at all. Cause you don't do that to good players, man. You don't do that to Jason. You don't do that to Patrick and people. It's more about, to me, it's about how I hear or feel the song as a whole. Yeah. You know, and sometimes good things get changed or, or buried a little or manipulated or whatever to make the whole sound good. And then Nicole came over and, you know, we did, we finished it off together, made a few tweaks here and there. And went, hey, this we're both jumping around, we're smiling ear to ear. Let's literally let, we're gonna roll with this. And I try to do as much that way as possible. I mean, some artists get really technical on a DB of this here and a DB of that here. And I really try to I try to pull people back in and go, wait a second, how do you feel right now about this? Is that hi hat a half a DB up gonna make you feel better? For real. <laughs> and if you can't go, oh yeah, then we're not gonna move that half a DB up, you know? You know, it yeah. seems like, you know, try to retain the, as much emotional, uh, the emotional feeling of when you're listening to it as possible. Yeah, I definitely understand that. I mean, you had mentioned something in there, um, the word artist. So I kind of want to go ahead and throw this out to you. Nowadays, with what you just said, you know, sound, you know, track one is same, same in three and five and, you know, seven, they all sound the same, you know, mm -hmm. with little snippets here and there. Do you think bands like that are strictly musicians? And then the bands that don't do that are artists, or do you feel that there's a, a you know what I'm saying? So here's an example, Claudio Sanchez of Coheed Cambria, okay. probably one of the greatest entertainers artists out there today, in my opinion, between us, between the comic books, the way he sings and the, you know, the, the, you know, the whole, everything, how he puts everything together is an artistry, but then you got, you know, other bands that don't do that. So, the difference between a musician and an artist, you know, you know what I'm saying? So what do you, what are your yeah. feelings on that? Well, I mean, first off all this stuff, I'm just going to preface this one time because I have tons of opinions as Nicole knows, uh, is <laughs> this is all subject. Everything is subjective. And that's everything. the beauty yeah. of all of it is we do see it differently. And if, cause if we didn't, we'd have a lot, really a lot of the same shit, but I do, I don't know if I could make it that black and white you know, uh, because I think, I think there's a lot of albums you hear out there where the band didn't have as much influence on it as you think, you know, especially when you get into the major label stuff. And I've been signed to Universal twice. I've been, you know, I've got to see that process at that level. You know, of course, I was part of a band that was a tax write-off, but, you know, got to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great band and fantastic musicians, man. It was, I, that part of my life was awesome because I got to see really how some of that stuff works and how especially newer bands don't have so much control there's so many people in the chain that it's hard to blame any one thing on any one person at least in the beginning some bands have more control i think it's hard to be a true artist you know and it's true i, I think it's harder to be a true artist all the time you know and we all have our you know, especially if we're one person or two, a group of two people doing it, your, your vision at some point as you do it long enough, unless you truly are able to always step outside the box, things get a little stale because we, uh, we do see things kind of in our, from our view, which is why we need, you know, out, outside influence sometimes, whether it's a producer, maybe it's a new musician to work on something, just so you get a new influx of ideas to shake you out of yours. I do think sometimes that, production is guided by uh wanting to make it wanting to be successful 
because you want to make any musician wants to make a living at this because is it's a shit ton of work this shit is ton. not an easy business and never was an easy business so the party of the 80s was still tough business but it's fun and it's better than sitting in a cubicle it's better than making fries at mcdonald's you know it's better than digging ditches any of that in my opinion anyway so you want to make a living at it so sometimes i think some decisions can be artistic decisions can be overshadowed by hey we need to make this work because we need to make some money on this or we need this to be successful so we can keep going and i don't blame anyone for necessarily doing that either but i don't think it's as it's quite as black and white as being able to say people that make something the same are musicians because i know for fact some producers and engineers that make things that way yeah and that have more influence on the outcome of the album than the the artist does you know and then all of a sudden you and i'm not going to point out you know i'm not going to go pointing out names of things here but i don't want to turn it into that but that's boring as hell to me i agree i look back on some of my, my favorites that maybe that shaped me early on without even knowing it you know, you look at the early Stone, the Stone, Stone Temple Pilots, Purple and Core. Holy crap, not, not one song sounds, it's a roller coaster. You look at Queen, you know, I'm going to the classics here. But all of those had, those things had an influence on me without even realizing it growing up. And now yeah. I'm seeing some of that stuff come out. I'm not saying I'm Freddie Mercury or any of that, because I'm not. But the, the influence is, hey, I don't want that to be the same. Let's do go that direction for this. Yeah, but the, uh, our other song sounds like this. Exactly. Let's go that direction. You know, yeah. I don't want it to sound like that. And a lot of artists have been open to that, to be honest with you. I, I work more in the indie world. And I like that because I, I feel there's still a lot of creativity in the indie world that hasn't been shaped by the music business, per se, into the funnels that they try to push this crap out in. Mm -hmm. And they're more open to going, okay, let's, yeah, mm -hmm. let's do that. That's cool. Let's, let's take that song, that direction. Now we got to think about the order of the EP, you know? Yeah. I just finished a, a, an EP for a kid named uh, Solvin Marsters, young kid. He played every instrument on it. And he, he did an, e an EP and one day he's coming over and he's thinking about the sequencing. <laughs> like, oh my God, I haven't heard the sequencing talk in, you know, in the singles market that we're in now in a long time. But he had it in the, you know, he's put this whole thing together and he'd been listening to it that way. And it, it flowed and his five songs had a bit of this in it, mm -hmm. which was great. Still all felt like him, but it was not the same thing every song. I got and you. I'm going to probably repeat myself on that over and over because I really. <laughs> no, that's fine. Be fucking different. Exactly. Be different inside your collection. You know, give people a reason to listen to song five and six if you do an album. You know, yeah, if you're into I, the singles thing, then great. I don't think that's a bad thing either. Put out, you got a different plan then of how you can release things and keep your audience engaged. But then you got to do it. Yeah. A lot of, then you've got to release things in a timely fashion. If you're going to go the singles game, you don't release a single every six months unless you have big label money that can push it for six months. Yeah. If you're an indie artist, especially, that's every month then. You oh, better yeah. be ready to do it. Because if you're not putting out every month, music every month, in my opinion, if, if you're, I'm, I'm going to kind of preface this with the indie market kind of thing, but if you're doing one song a year, two songs a year, an EP every other year, you're not really playing the game. No, you're not. And you're I not definitely, in. I definitely agree with you on that. And, and, you know, that's why I brought up, you know, Ronnie Radke and Falling in Reverse because, you know, they did, they released, um, you know, Popular Monster in December 
-hmm. And then last month they just did a re-release of the drug and me is you is a reimagined version, you know, acoustic piano type thing. Fucking amazing. Right. You know, who knows what they're going to do next. So now it's like, okay, they they're releasing such snippets. It's, you know, so you're wanting more and more and more and more. And Ronnie Rad. Yeah. Ronnie Radke's such a fucking arrogant prick anyway. You know, damn well, he's going (laughs) to, you know, he's going to want to keep his shit out there as often as he fucking can. Mm -hmm. So he's going to do as much as he can with it. So I think he's someone that's going to actually keep that alive. So with also that being said, like with on that same type of, uh, you know, you know, thought process, um bands like my favorite band right now of today is a band called ice nine kills okay so they released their first album or first major album in 2018 Mm -hmm. and then they did a re-release last year with four five new extra songs including three of the original songs as acoustic versions just to keep that you know that that alive you know so there's there's a lot of stuff out there that's doing it like that but my question to you is write new music, man. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 definitely. Definitely. I agree with you on that. But that's a downfall. A lot of bands have that problem. They, they, they have a lot of time to write those first songs and it's, it's hard to become, not many people become prolific writers. There's very few prolific writers out there. And that is hard for a lot of bands to continue writing music because once it's out there, you can go play, you can go do all the things, but You've got to keep that writing process going. We had a, a Pro Tools rig in 2001 when yeah. we were touring. Horrible year to tour, by the way, especially <laughs> after 9-11. Oh, my God. But we had a Pro Tools rig on our RV. Wow. And at sound checks, we'd be busting out new things and then trying to write new ideas. So the process could, uh, of ideas could continue. Yeah. You know? Well, all I got to say is with this now three going on three-month quarantine – I better hear some fucking fantastic fucking shit in the fall. That's yeah. all I mean. That's all. Yeah, I seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. But um, all right. So we kind of talked about the, you know, the musician versus artist thing. So it kind of sparked a thought in my head. We've got, you know, artists like Tobias Forge of Ghost. Oh, hold got- on. I wanted one more point on the other thing. Sorry. Okay. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the musician versus an artist. One thing on that is I think, your your artists, true artists, whatever, they need musicians. Correct. Oh, that are there, see, that like, aren't like that, that aren't the artists that are there to help you and do it, and vice versa. Correct. I mean, it's a symbiotic thing, you know, because a lot of great albums wouldn't the artists would have been made if they didn't have those musicians that were there to serve the artist. Correct. You know, so that's that, true. And that's and, and I don't that's care what actually, genre that is. Every yeah. genre of music. And that's my question to you. So like I said, Tobias Ford, she changes up his, you know, band every time. You know, Maria Brink has gone through a whole bunch of fucking, um, you know, you know, people were, you know, replacements, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, Kitty, same thing, uh, all a bunch mm-hmm. of, you know, constant, re, you know, reinventing themselves. But those are bands that have the front person or front woman, front man that have a band name. Right. But it's never the same band. Yeah. What are your opinions on that? Shouldn't it be? the Tobias Ford project or Maria Brink, you yeah, know, whatever. I don't think that sounds as cool. I think there's certain marketing to that, you know, and, and I think a lot of artists is narcissistic as a lot of us can be about our work <laughs> and what we do. We don't like pushing ourselves. You know, that was a, for me, marketing wise, that took a long time to me, me and me being comfortable pushing me, yeah. you know, and I think it's easier for an artist to push a band than it is to push their own name. 
You know, it's mm. easier to sell that. Having said that, and it, I mean, we all kind of know that those bands really aren't bands. They're whoever that front person is, you yep. know, because it is different. I mean, w when a band breaks up and they get new members in it, it's not really that band anymore, especially if you're replacing the singer. Yeah, I mean, Three Van Days Halen, Grace. It worked out for Van Halen. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say Three Days Grace, too. Three Days it's Grace. It's not the same. They fucking ruined right. it. It's, it's not the same at all. Right. Oh my Call God. it something. And I think, yeah. I think you actually do a lot of harm to the band, or you have the potential to do a lot of harm to the band when you do that. Whereas if you would, because people expect a certain thing at that point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and this is another reason why I said, don't let everything sound the same. So you get fans, they don't expect it. You know, they don't put you in the same box. But if, if you would change the name, call it a different project, whatever, or if you call it by that, that front person's name, right. If, that, if that's the case, yeah. you got more creative freedom, I would think. Yeah. But like, you know, I just mentioned, uh, uh, three days grace, you know, mm -hmm. And you know the the difference of voices is outreaching. Dude, it's like night and it's, day. It's night and day, and you yeah. know to hear the new guy perform some of his old songs just doesn't sound right at all. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, you've got a band like Of Mice and Men, who oh, literally have no one in the band that was part of the original setup. You know the bass players change, the singers change twice, the drummers change, everything has changed. It went from this you know hard rock sound, you know up-tempo type you know smooth type music a lot of clean vocals now it's just heavy, fucking hardcore so progressive heavy. metal yeah and it's it's so different but yet it's still that same band and then you got to hear that band perform the old songs that they didn't even write or was <laughs> even in the fucking room with but like literally none of them were so it's it's just wonder, kind of odd i wonder who owns the uh all the copyright to all that right yeah name and everything that would be i think it'd probably be the label at this point for that it could That's be. That's true, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that may be why no one's getting sued or anything is because the yeah. label owns everything. Yeah, because I and think... And like, at that point, it's the label using it for marketing. You know, they're keeping the name. They're All that's already established. Yeah. You know? But, yeah, I don't know. that that Those things are always kind of... I've thought that stuff's always kind of odd or weird. It's like, really, there's no one in this band now that actually was the... It's not even the same. It's not the band. It's not. This is just a... Um, it's like an umbrella you know, we just throw yeah. people underneath it and give it the umbrella a name. But well, like, I mean, um, even but, the Pussycat Dolls did that. Yeah, it was yeah, just that, a name, just say, like, and they were pop, always yeah. That happens all the time in pop. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But like um, you mentioned in this moment, Derek, like don't they wear? You don't see their faces though, right? Yeah, you do. Or wait, no, is it ghosts? You don't see their faces. There's ghosts, a band you don't you, see their faces. Okay, no. so it's almost easier that way to like interchange musicians because you don't know who they are. Yeah. Like if you can see their face and you know they're like three days grace, you mentioned I just I can't watch them anymore. No, I can't I, can't, I just yeah. can't listen to them because and at that point, yeah, maybe they should have changed their band name. They should have rebranded well, as yeah, like a because whole you new have a thing. preconceived notion on what they are and that goes against what you know and you can't reconcile, you know, just you lose fans that way. It. Like I yeah. feel like you lose yeah. people. Well, you know, with like <laughs> what's weird about Ghost is Tobias Forge actually um whatever it is in sweden like llc'd that name and turned it into an actual corporation where he's the president and oh. he's the only everybody else is just a subcontractor employee he's that can be replaced <laughs> that can replace at any given time and they sign that contract when they get on with the band you are wow. not a member of this band you work for this corporation yeah. and it's weird how he did that and i just thought that was so it's like at that point is it really a band i mean it just oh, i think odd. that goes on a lot more than you realize really yeah 
I think there's a lot of bands we could look back on throughout time and realize, oh, it's really this one person and everybody else shows up. Wow. You know? And that, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad, that goes back to the artist-musician relationship. You know, not everybody in the band can be a captain. You know, the old adage, too many cooks in the kitchen, you know, not everybody's going to be that driving force. Not everybody's right. going to be part of the day-to-day. There's always got to be someone who's the spearhead or a group. You know, you look at a band like yeah. U2 who's been around forever. That's that's really Bono on the edge. 100%. The other two 100%. guys are, you know, especially the drummer, they're a huge impact on that band, but it's those two guys, you know? Yeah. yeah. But then at the same I mean, time, you've got somebody, somebody like Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters, who you would think Dave Grohl would just control every aspect of everything, which he does. He does. I think oh, he does. I, I make no mistake. He may he split things evenly, and I think he does right by everybody there. Make no mistake. That's Dave Grohl's band. Yes, hundred yeah. percent. But I think everybody, you know, from uh, what's his name, Travis, the drummer, to everybody, Taylor, Taylor, thank you, um, Taylor, the drummer, to everybody else. Um, I knew it was thinking a, of a drummer for a different the, band. The T yeah, guy. He's the thinking guy. Racer X. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I was thinking uh, Trivium. To be honest with you. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> um, so I mean, it's like uh, it, it's just I think they all have their their place in it, and I you know right. I think he does listen to that. But like um, they released an uh, a, like a documentary a few oh, years back okay. where they brought in Chris Novoselic to actually play bass on one of the songs, and he sat by Chris the entire time, just saying, "Okay, now it's it's doom boom doom doom," and then he was just like telling him exactly how to play it, mm-hmm. and then he's like, "Okay, that's great, thank you." It's like, so what the hell was the point of Chris being there? So I, I, well, I see I mean, your point on that. There, there is, I mean, even I do that with artists too when I hire some musicians. Yeah. You know, it's it, because it's that still that person that I want. You know, sometimes for me, I mean, it's a little different. I'm not uh, doing it necessarily the same way Dave Grohl because I may be producing someone. So I've got everyone, but I may hire music artists, you know, a drummer to come in or a guitar player. And I go, look, I need you to do this. And that's the part. I've got it. That's what I want. But I want the way you do it. Yeah. You know, yeah, not the true. way I have it here. I want your interpretation of that. And then sometimes you bring people in because of the name, I'm sure. Right. To have the name on the album on or there. on the Helps song. Yeah. yeah. Like my buddy just got hired recently to play bass for Butcher Babies. You know that band, the Butcher Babies? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So my, my friend hired for bass. The, the drummer's Chase, right? Yeah. Uh, he was, used to be a student of mine. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. that's so fun. Yeah, they're class. really cool. They're super cool. But he plays bass for them now. But it was like, you know, the music, you have the certain people in the band that, that do most of the writing of the lyrics and the melodies and the music, right? But then he has such a cool look to him and he's so energetic on stage. Like he's freaking nuts, you know? So then you want that energy and that look as part of your brand, right? right. So I feel like that's part of it too is like, yeah they don't necessarily want you to write the parts, but they want you to have the brand, your, your look in the brand that they're trying to build right. on stage and stuff too. Yeah. I agree with you that. Yeah. yeah. But like Charlie, we've talked about that. Like you've had, cause you work with some pretty awesome musicians, like, you know, big names and stuff. And like, we've talked about stories with, ra- you know, random stories. You'll tell me about how you'll hire certain people, but then there's like all this, you know, the artist doesn't like how they're doing it. And then you have to be like this liaison between the bitchy, you know, the, yeah. bi- the artist bitching to you about it. <laughs> I didn't like, realize I was going to have to be psychologist too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> true, I'm a drummer, damn it. I hit things to make them go the way I want them. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, how do you deal with, like, how do you deal? So as an engineer, how do you deal with, um, 
if I'm like, just engineering and that's it, I, I step back. <laughs> if you're producing though, like if you're actually working with an artist who has hired you to yeah. produce a song for them and to bring in musicians, like I'm not going to name names, but I, I'm thinking of one very specific example you told me a long time ago. And it was like, you had to basically like, you have a big name drummer playing drums and you have this artist who doesn't like anything they're doing. How do you reconcile that? How do you work with this big ex named drummer that's sitting in front of you trying to play the song and then an artist over here saying, I don't like anything they're doing for you my know, song. The, the one thing that I've found when that particular kind of thing happens is it's the artist doesn't know how to explain what they really want and what they're saying they want isn't really what they want. And that's where the whole psychologist part of this came in that I never knew in the beginning <laughs> because it, I kind of, and I wasn't very good at this in the beginning. This took some me trial and error and willing to look back on how I didn't handle a certain situation very well and try to go, why not? Okay, next time, how do I make this work when things like that arise? And a lot of that came down to really working more with the artist up front, especially if I'm producing before we do anything, there's a lot of phone calls now and pre-production if I can, you know, if we can, as much as we can in the budget. So I really not, I can learn how an artist speaks, you know, so I know what they actually mean when they say something or I learn their lingo or I can teach them better lingo or a better way to express themselves, which eliminates a lot of those issues like what you just brought up. Uh, because that makes that's, sense that's a lot of the times it's communication. A matter of fact, I think 99% of the time it's a communication error or communication breakdown. Yeah. And in the beginning that took, exactly. In the beginning, <laughs> there's, uh, that took me a while to figure out how it's like, okay, well, fuck, what do I do? I don't know. The artist is telling me this, but that's not what's really, you know, what I think they want. And uh, as I got, like I said, I, I failed a few times making those things happen. And, but I, I took the time to look back on figure out why I failed at making that communication happen. And as I got, as I figured out those things that, Oh, okay. Sometimes the words coming out of the mouth doesn't fit what they, you know, what they actually mean. So it's like, what are you actually telling me? So I can convey that to the musician, or maybe I hired the wrong musician because <laughs> I didn't get the right information or I didn't figure out what they were saying. So yeah. I, I, I do a lot more up front now. Yeah. And I also, I'm not one, if I'm producing someone, I'm not that, that producer that wants to come in and make it mine. You know, yeah. it's not my song. It's not You're my not music. Bob Rock. They're, they're yours. <laughs> I, but I think Bob Rock did a great job at listening. If you look at what he did with the, with Metallica on the Black Album yeah. and Motley Crue, the Black Album happened because Dr. Feelgood. That's why yeah. Bob rocks with Metallica is yeah. because Lars heard what, what doctor, what he did with Dr. Feelgood and Dr. Feelgood largely sounds the way it was because Tommy Lee was in there going, man, I want more low end. I want this. I want, you know, yeah. And that is an ear. And he, cause <laughs> that was when Tommy was getting into all that rap stuff and he's hearing this big bottom. They wanted the rock. And that's why Dr. Feelgood sounds the way it does. And it got pushed because Tommy's back there pushing him. Yeah. And then you work with Metallica. No one's telling metallica what to do no it's just like mutt lang didn't tell ecdc what to do he made them sound different in back and black and made it go blow up but that's angus man that's the the brothers there oh of course and the same thing with the black album but i mean there was and there was a lot of struggle through those albums which is why they are the way they are 
you know, whether it was between Lars and Hetfield or Bob Rock and Hetfield or Bob Rock and Lars, there was this because they were all working on this to this, the same end goal and they were fighting for it to make it great. Yeah. You know, so I, that's why I also don't think that confrontation is bad. A lot of, you know, artists want, oh, I don't want to fight. I want to do this. It's like, well, okay, sit back and make your <laughs> mediocre music. But yeah, you know, but then again, it's also identifying that some artists, I've got artists that I work with that I have to tone me down a little bit. And I, if Nicole knows, it's hard to do because I get excited, you know. Well, I don't, it could be a ballad, a love ballad, and I'll hear something I love and I, oh my God, this is great. And I'm dude, like, ah, and the artist guy, is like, dude, this is my ballad, you know. You're like the one, like when I was recording Heaven, you're like, you stand up and you pace around. And then he has a clipboard and he's like frantically writing notes on this, on this paper. And I'm like, thinking am i doing something bad good what is that <laughs> and then you're jumping up and down and you're like using yeah. your hands a lot and i'm like okay this is cool like you're very I animated get into it, man i mean look i get to make music with great artists doing stuff in there why wouldn't i get excited you know yeah it's awesome so, um i don't know if i answered the question through all you that. did no it you was did very long <laughs> 100 percent. i did. talk a lot so uh, so do i so that's fine um you yeah. have three people who talk a lot in the same place right now so that's perfectly fine know, so 20 years ago when i was in garage bands and i was a session musician and i was doing a little bit of a guitar touring you know as a just a, a tourist guitar yeah um you know things in my view were different back then um, you know, when I was in a garage band, we would all come together. I would write some lyrics real quick and then say, okay, hey, let's write a song based around these lyrics. And okay. Do, 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 and, we, we, and then by in an hour or two, we'd have a great song. Right. Nowadays, these bands go off their separate ways and they live in their five different States. They write a bunch of stuff together and then they come back together and try to make it like a Lego fucking piece and piece it mm -hmm. together to make it. Do you think it's uh, music has lost a, touch of reality when it comes to that kind of stuff or do you think that's the best way to do it therefore everyone has their opinion no i think it can definitely i mean everybody's different so that works well for some people you know because you never sometimes those people can do great things together by doing it separately because maybe for whatever reason in the same room too long especially in a studio the studio environment changes people yeah you know when you're under the microscope and especially if you have someone there who's trying to guide you and note that wasn't good. Do that again. No, that wasn't good. Do that again. You know, that's, that can be very unnerving for some people. So I think it can do that, but I think some great albums have been made that way. You know, I agree. So it's, there's definitely no one size fits all. However, I do miss things being more the way you just said you guys used to do things because there's an energy to that, that I do think, by and large is missing in the way we do things now and that could be a combination of people doing things separately to a certain extent and also how we make music and they we put it in now and you make everything perfect yeah and you lose that there's an energy you get from players playing together at the same time that you can't get from things being done separately although you know, we've heard the Black Album, they didn't record that all together. They, they did it together, but then they pieced things together. You know, love it or hate it, whether you were an old Metallica fan or a new Metallica fan, it sounds pretty damn good. Yeah. You know, I don't think that you can necessarily argue with. No, definitely but not. I do think that the bands that had the ability to play together, I think some of my favorite Metallica, however, was the stuff when it was just them. 
even with Lars's time, you know, doing what it does. <laughs> that was part of the, that was part of the thing, you know, early Chili yeah. Peppers was that way, you know, it was them playing and you heard this, you know, go back to Led Zeppelin or any of that stuff. There's something magical when it's good. I mean, if the time is horrible and they're here and then they drop to here, then it's here. Okay, that sucks. Do it again. But if you can get a band like you guys were back riding, you put it together and you have that kind of feel of the moments. It's a snapshot in time of you guys right then. There's the energy of that. There's the excitement of that. If you can put put that to tape or hard drive, whatever it is, if you can put that down and capture that that way, that stuff tends to be very special. Yeah. You know, and you can hear that and it comes across because it hasn't been taken out by the editor, by the producer, you know. <clears throat> yeah. But then I also feel it, it also gives the opportunity for – a, a true collaboration, a true friendship to build. Yeah, I can think of one example in particular. So, um, I wrote a song based on a friend of mine that was molested as a child, you know, and you know, beaten and abused, or whatever else. So I wrote this song, and my uh, my buddy Brad, who was the uh, guitarist at the time, he's like, "Dude, that song reminds me so much of Daddy from Corn. And how often do you hear them play that fucking song?" That's going to be our hidden track that we never fucking play. Let's get rid of that uh, right off the bat. I'm like, I read it again. I'm like, yeah, you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's why I think it's important. We need to bounce ideas off yeah. people, whether it's a positive thing or whether we're headbutting sometimes, all that we need that because that makes us find something better. If I did all of this by myself without the artist's influence whatsoever, I don't think it would be as good as it could be. No, definitely you know, not. Some of that comes out of, the artist wants one thing I may be doing it a different way. Cause I see it here. But at the end of the day, we come into this new path that made it better because we did it. We worked together and new ideas. You're sitting in a room with someone it bounces off. And all of a sudden what your idea started here and it ends up all the way over here. And it's a hundred times better. Yeah. You know, I totally agree with you on that. That collaboration is important. It really is. I mean, it just, I just feel, you know, sometimes it's lost. Dude, music is about people. It really is. In my opinion, it's not about us sitting in isolation on our own. And that's no reference to our current predicament we have here. Because obviously, like with Nicole's video, you see the artists came together to create something out of being isolated, you know, which is awesome. It really is. I mean, when you can get a band like that together and do that kind of stuff, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, right. that's that's true music. That's not, you know, God rest his soul, but it's not Linkin Park. You know, I mean, you know, and that was one of the bands I was using as an example of that. I mean, they, yeah. that's what they literally did or the, the, you know, the bane of everyone's existence in the rock metal world or whatever world, Limp, Limp, uh, Limp Biscuit did the exact same bullshit. Yeah. And it's, it's, I never, I never felt it because of that. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I, I, you know, if I, I can feel, that, yeah, if I can feel it, I can feel it. Like, even though that I know, like, Falling in Reverse is, re in reality, that is Ronnie Radke's band. You know, he writes and does everything. They're literally just there to put the notes to the fucking, you know, computer. Um, but I can still feel it. Right. And that's where it comes in. It's not just a song for the sake of a song. It is a, it is a heartfelt, no matter how, whether it's a comedy song, whether it's a, you know, heavy song or a soft song or a ballad or whatever the case might be. If you can feel it, it's music. If you can't feel right. it, then it's just like, yeah, they're just kind of did that just to, as a filler. 
Well, and I think yeah. good musicians, even if they're not the writer, if true musicians will put their heart and soul into the part, even if it isn't theirs. And I think that translates too. I mean, there's a difference between just good musicians and musicians that give everything they have. You know, that's why the ones I choose to hire for me working are the ones that I know are going to treat what I'm hiring them to play like their own. And when they do that, yeah. you do get a performance out of them that's more heartfelt, more real, that I think adds to the believability, especially the emotional content of whatever the song is. Wholeheartedly agree with you. So with that being said also, um, segue, one of my biggest arguments that I've always had for the last 20 years when it comes to music is bands versus Pro Tools. Now, Pro Tools has its place, obviously. Mm -hmm. Okay. But like one of my, and I, one of the reasons I cannot listen to rap music at all, it has nothing to do with the artist, you know, in front of the mic, like Eminem or stuff like that, who has true fucking talent. It is because it's so overproduced. It's so, oh, it's, I'm going to sit here and make a cool drum beat real quick. And then that's going to be your song. We're not going to be like, okay, let's sample it real quick and then bring in an actual drummer and do it. No, it's whatever I created in here is it. Yeah. I mean, and there's so, a lot of them are still using the same sounds from 30 years ago. Exactly. Great, right, I got so, the same MPC snare. Exactly, but like, do you believe that people that do that are true artists in any which way, shape, or form? <laughs> this is the this is where I told you I'm gonna. Get I don't it. think everyone that makes music is a true artist. I think there's a lot of copycat. Yeah, and in all styles, not just. I think personally, I think um, the rap uh, genre is taking a hit in that way because everybody it, it's become kind of gentrified in a way because it's to, to try to fit something to make money or do whatever if you look back at the early the west coast versus east coast thing the dr dre's the the ice cubes and all that in the beginning they were to me those were some of the some of the most amazing music ever made they were true 100 they were true artists because their daily lives their the things that they were going through on a daily basis is what fed that music. You know, the, the time, the, the, what was happening in that era in their neighborhoods, all that fed that music, but they were all unique. They came together to do things together and created groups out of that. But then those groups had a unique thing. They weren't copying. They were, it was almost like they were battling someone else when they were creating it. That guy's doing that. We're not doing that. Mm -hmm. you know, now it seems like that guy's doing that. We're doing that. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. not just rap i think that's in a lot i just think that one is and i oddly enough i do listen to a fair amount of that because i i'm interested in some of the production or in my opinion what's become lack of production by by way of overproduction because the the personality of those artists isn't there anymore you know and but again that's across the board in my oh, I opinion agree. you know i agree with but you know if and that's yeah, the some case. of them aren't artists, man. That's how I say if you're yeah. making money, fucking go get a desk job. Exactly. I mean, and, you know, with <laughs> that, because, I mean, technically that is a desk job because you're sitting there at a computer, right. you know, inside your house or at a studio making music and, oh, we got a number one tune. You right. know, it's like, but fuck. But how, when did it become that that was acceptable to the audience? But what you do and Nicole does and Ice Nine Kill does and Metallica does and Avenged Sevenfold does and Full Beat does. When did that become shit? And you know the the Kanye's of the West of the world become the next Beatles, yeah. like he said that one fucking time. That oh fucking my god! Song. Yeah, I'm. 
we won't mention his name again. <laughs> no, but you see uh, my point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it. Well, I think you can. Let's look back to Millie Vanilli, right? When they did their performance and then they lost their Grammy because they found out they lip synced. Correct. Oh. That was the turning point, and it didn't happen right away. But it wasn't that many years after that 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 became acceptable. Once that barrier was broken down to where, oh, and all of a sudden the labels and everybody doing the big concerts, oh, we can do it that way. We might not win the Grammy, but who cares? We can put these artists out and make these great concerts and none of it's fucking real. That was the beginning of it. And then it just took a little while for that to that, to hit the production side in full scale because there's all there's been production tricks to make things better or perfect going way back to the, the, the tape days man of course i mean they used to load vocals into samplers and play them back at pitches to tune vocals it was difficult but they did you know the lindrum came out and that changed the way you could do things and programming so this these these tricks go back a long time but on the scale that we do it now to where every bit of the production is touched in that way that took a while but I, I truly believe that it was that Milli Vanilli incident was the, the opening of the door. It wasn't accepted then, but it broke the barrier down. And then it was just a matter of time. And then it became easy. Everybody, you know, everybody could now go out and buy a laptop of Pro Tools or Logic or Cubase or whatever the hell they're using and call themselves a producer you know, or call themselves <laughs> oh a musician God. or whatever. Yeah. And for some people that has helped because it made it – and I love it when the people I'm working with do that for pre-production at the mm -hmm. very least because it allows the getting the ideas out and start funneling through them uh, and it's cheaper than doing pre-production the old way which can be very very valuable but it's also given people a false sense in my opinion of them being an artist or being a musician because just because you bought a laptop with some fucking software on it doesn't make you an engineer doesn't make you a writer doesn't make you a producer you know and i see more often than not it's the exact opposite then occasionally I got a few people I work with. I go, holy crap, you do this in your bedroom? Bring it here. Why do you need me? <laughs> you know, I don't say that out loud. I agree. Yeah. But, but again, it, that comes down to the collaboration thing. They still need the collaboration. But that's not everyone. I don't think that's the majority of people. No, I don't either. You know, I, I just don't. But I think the majority thinks they are. Yeah. And it's that. That's the, that's the key right there is they – think they because they have that they or they think because they can have that they can do that at home in that way and it doesn't work that way it takes yeah. a long time to become good at any of this and very few people are the great engineer producer and great artist at the same time those are their different yeah. brains they're really hard and that's why you see a lot of great artists still reach out to pr great producers of all sorts or change and work with new people for new ideas because they know that and just because you can do it on your own doesn't mean you should do it on your own. 100%. I 100% agree with that. But, but knowing like, where that line is, I mean, everybody's going to see that differently. But why does the, like I said, why does the audience now accept that more than the person who actually creates it on their own? Well, why do they look, see that person on the computer creating a beat, you know, just a beat? Yeah. And then having somebody rap on top of it better than somebody actually playing a guitar playing the drums I, and singing. Real. I think that goes to, I think a lot of things have been dumbed down, you know, over the past, especially 10 years or so to where modern, especially modern music and the modern music machine, the major labels, the, the, where everything gets pushed out, they have the money to push things out so much. And so often to where you just hear these things on repetition. 
And now it happens a lot with uh, the algorithms in Spotify, Apple Music, all that. That's why I don't like them so much. I know they're randomized to a certain degree, but I have artists come over and try to show me what they're listening to as references. And I go, you realize that you just followed the algorithm on 25 of the same thing. <laughs> you didn't, oh, but they're all different artists. Yeah, but let's listen to this one. Let's listen to this one. Let's listen to this. Oh, yeah. so you're the same, similar. Oh, oh, they're like, oh, crap. I did. I'm just, you know, it's not really giving me new things. It's giving me variations of the same thing. Now that started in the late eighties. So we do have the eighties to blame for that. Went yeah. to the hair bands and they figured the fucking template out and they just shoved this in that fucking template and started, you know, all of a sudden you had 50, you know, Bon Jovi's, you had 50 Motley Crue's and, you know, 49 of them sucked ass because they weren't the original, but <laughs> they figured out they could sell that because that's what they, the majority of the people wanted to hear something they were familiar with. And now it gets to the point where music is largely made that way and, and, and a, not everything is, but largely gets made that way and it gets shoved down your throat. And the audience, the listening audience doesn't know the difference of, you know, uh, finely uh, uh, sliced and diced drums or completely tuned and edited vocals. I mean, some of your biggest artists, I mean, the biggest artists, and I'm not gonna throw any names out because I have some friends that work for these people, but... <laughs> in the pop world that are the, the you know upper echelon and none of those things you hear from them were performance Wanna say hi not one of them yeah she agrees. it's all done by the editor and the producer oh hi mia says uh, yes we agree how's, how's she doing oh she's good you guys see or you can see her caller i don't know Derek. this is my yeah, dog I can see it. goal and stud caller and, and I think it's not so much that the audience maybe went, oh, we accept things being done this way, is it happened over a period of time to where they didn't really know it was done any other way. Yeah. But the odd thing to me, and I have not been able to quite figure this out yet, is we still relate and talk about all the classic stuff as being the end goal. You know, someone's making their music now, and they go, oh, yeah, but man, I want it to be like that that fucking Slayer album, you know, South Ham, that, that was the bomb, man, that was the best, but yet they go do it exactly the opposite and they cut everything up and slice it and dice it and make it perfect to where it's, is it metal anymore that it's so nice and clean? No, I put yeah. on old Slayer, dude, and I'm jumping around the room punching imaginary people. <laughs> because it makes me feel angry. I put on a lot of new metal and it's been made so perfect that I go, well, I guess from a technical aspect, it's amazing in the production and I'm bored out of my freaking mind Yeah. because yeah. there's no angst in it. There's no anger. Yeah, maybe you got some heavy guitar tones, but so what? You edited the shit out of them to where it's not that player doing this anymore. It's not the drummer back there beating the crap out of it. And then uh, to a certain degree too, it's changed to where the musicians, I'm gonna make a bit of a generalization here, but I do see this a lot. And I argue with people coming in here all the time and I beat them into submission to doing it differently. But <laughs> <laughs> I do see that be the technology has allowed musicians to be, especially newer musicians, to be lazy. That they will, they think they're better than they are. And they, uh, they think that, oh, I'm gonna get in, I'm gonna play this and we'll do those things to it and it'll be great. It's like, no, learn to play your fucking instrument. The reason why all the stuff you grew up on and you still say you love was great is because those sons of bitches are out there playing it. You hear them doing it. Yeah. Now I spend on some of those things I in spend time and certain, you know, genres are harder, you know, metal, it's harder to record. You can't really get everybody in at the same time, at least for extreme metal. 
you know, you kind of have to take a more one at a one at a time approach for a lot of that. But I, I find that they rely a little too much on the technology to make them sound the way they want to sound. I agree. And then my job becomes fixing more than mixing or fixing more than producing. And it's never going to be the same. I want to hear the, the player, the guitar player, the bass player, the drummer, whoever it is giving me their performance of that. Give me the energy from that. And if it moves a little bit, so fucking what? No one, we never print the click track on the album anyway. So if it moves a little down or if it moves a little up, that's how you felt. If you're doing it with the band, they move together. That's why yeah. I brought up the, you know, the Chili Peppers and Zeppelin. You, you know, I, you, whether you like them or not, I don't care. But if you hear that early stuff, you hear these things happening in the music. No one cared because they did it as a group. And that created the vibe. If they all pulled back as a group and all of a sudden slingshot a little into the chorus, you felt that as energy. Yeah. That translate as emotional energy. You know, Roxanne, uh, mm. the police. Mm -hmm. I used to do this. That was one of the songs we did at this burlesque show. And it was a rock and roll burlesque show. They had a traditional, we did the rock one. Had five dancers, rock band, me, drummer, bass player. We played, we actually played to the tracks but we had to click time all this stuff out because we had program light shows. Right. So I had to go through all these classic old rock songs and whatever, and put clicks to them to drive the sympathy. Hot for teacher was one of them. It took me 10 hours to put a click to that. Holy crap. Talk about moving all over the place. And it really changed my perspective on the song. And I really wish I never had to do that. But Roxanne stuck out to me, the police, because it came out of that first chorus. It's like, there are rocks. And you got Stuart Copeland, you know, he's like, you know, just did lines of coke, and all of a sudden it kicked in, and they're pushing it, and Sting's got all this energy, and then it comes out of that first chorus into the second verse, and it drops like eight or ten clicks, and you just hear it kind of going, yeah, and it sinks into this groove, and then the next chorus comes, and it goes back up, and all of a sudden now you got this excitement, you got the groove, the mellow thing. It's not just a dynamic thing; they they treated tempos that way. I'm sure it drove Sting absolutely nuts you know, with the tempo thing, but it worked, you know, and, and there's a lot of music like that, so, but we take those things out. And I'm not saying you have to have those drastic jumps, but when we take those elements of the human out of it, I think we lose the, a lot of the emotional pull. We may end up with a fantastic sounding album, but is it, is it really going to stick with you? For me, it, things don't. I get bored even if i even if i like the music or the production a few songs in when i've heard something that is so fixed i lose that connection because i don't think us as human beings identify over the long term with things that are perfect because by nature we're imperfect i mean our even our heartbeats you know we those are the things that we gravitate towards and a lot but in a lot of ways i think it's the things that you don't do well or what create your personality uh -huh. You know, as a musician anyway. Oh, this this guy's a little raggedy here. She sings this way here. I had a, another friend that was a, like an intern on some of the early Whitney Houston stuff. And he was telling me some story. I have never been able to verify this, but it was telling and I could see this. Someone mentioned her singing flat some one time on something. You know, hey, you know, you're a little flat on that note. And she looked and she goes, yeah, it's how I meant to sing it. <laughs> you know, because you can create tension that way. If yeah. you, as a singer, you can use that. I mean, if you're completely out of fucking key, no, you suck. Do it again. <laughs> but if you decide to go flat or sharp, you know, yeah. all of that is emotional. It, I don't, yeah. I mean, it took a little time for it to be all about being perfect. 
Yeah. Like no art should be about perfection. I love that. Don't tell Whitney Houston she's flat. That's who tells Whitney Houston she's flat. I would love to be able to truly verify that story because it would make it really awesome. But the person who told me was in that camp around the time, so I'm I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, Charlie tells me I'm flat on one note, and I'm like, don't ever tell anyone I was flat on that note ever. (laughs) Also, haunt your. I'm gonna haunt your fucking dreams. Yeah, I mean, I remember a, a time. Probably about 17, 18 years ago, I was going in to audition for a band. And we were sitting there talking about, you know, just the whole setup of the band and, you know, what kind of music they played and, you know, stuff like that. And I started talking to the guitarist and he goes, yeah, you know, I just got a wah pedal last week. And ever since I bought my wah pedal, my guitar playing has been so much better. Yeah, have a nice day, guys. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. I was like, it takes your, it takes a wall pedal to make you sound better. Yeah, Dude, that's we're insane. Gone. Oh, I'm the, gone. Everything we have here is an extension of who we are. It doesn't, you know, maybe that got, maybe got an idea he had in his head out finally. I'd buy that, you know, but if it but, takes a piece of gear to make you sound better, eh, practice more. Oh yep. man. Yeah. I mean, we know this. There's so much bad, bad music out there. Yeah. And then I and, say and, bad I don't mean, I mean, look, every, you create something, it's yours. It's going to be good. It's what you feel, right? But dude, I've heard, I mean, you know, there's songs that can't even, you can't keep a, a beat. You can't keep tempo. It's yeah. like freaking, you're like on a roller coaster, right? It's like up here, then it's down here. And then it's like, what is this noise I'm hearing? Yeah. You know, but there's some a people, lot of that. I mean, uh, yeah, you probably know. I mean, you I know mean it dr- I mean, sometimes it, I, I don't get too invested in that stuff anymore but sometimes you know i used to see you maybe you're on youtube and you're checking out videos and whatever and you see just stuff that you listen to, you go oh my god it's fucking horrible and then you see the comments you're great i love you it's so awesome it's like are you guys all deaf yeah this singer's out of key the drummer time isn't even a magazine it's like this is terrible and then you just see these supportive comments to it it's like you know maybe one of you should go hey you guys need some lessons and then come back and try it again <laughs> you know yeah but it's uh, some people get really hung up on that now anymore i just like okay whatever if, if what you do reaches somebody there's bands that are big that i hate that i think suck they're terrible i think their writing's bad or i think the players suck or for whatever reason but if you it the, the it's a business too and it's a hard business so if you can make it you got my respect at yeah. least for that I can hate your music and whatever, but I can go, you know, you sons of bitches figured out a way to make it happen. And that's something too, because it is a business also. It's not just the art side of things, but that doesn't mean, you know, you can still be in the business of it and still use your art because it's emotion. You know, it is entertainment, but we're also connecting with people on an emotional level. And I think if you can do it, connect on an emotional level with people, you will always entertain them because you will touch them the, inside. No good way to say that. Uh, but if you just purely get them by the entertainment value only, it'll be here today, gone tomorrow. Yeah. When you say make it, I mean, there's a lot of different, like people's version of make it could be different depending on the band too. Like, yeah. like some bands want to be major, go major. Some don't, they want to be, you know, signed to that smaller label and have, and be in more control of their of their creativity right Right. so i think well for me making it was the day that i i did all what i'm doing now and i had no other job and no other help i made it i'm doing what i want to do every day 
yeah. working with people I want to work with every day. So even the days that suck, which are kind of few and far between, but you and I have my bad days, you know, we're slow times. I am did open a freaking recording studio in Los Angeles. What the hell was I thinking? But, you know, so you got ups and downs and all that. But even on the bad days, I wake up and I come look at this and I go, dude, I'm sitting behind a classic console. I get to do some sort of music today. Yeah, life's all right. I'm not going to a day desk job. I've made, I've still made it. I'm still yeah. doing what I want to do for a living. Yeah. You know, awesome. would I like things to get bigger? Of course. I'm always striving towards that, but I already made it. Yeah. And I think I a lot that. of artists look at it that way too. I mean, some have it. Oh, until I'm, you know, on the, the billboard down at the Kodak theater, I haven't made it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that may be a bit of an unrealistic goal because like a fraction of a fraction of people make it to that. And there's a lot of successful people. I mean, there's a lot of, like I said earlier, there's a lot of band. I mean, now with the touring thing being uh, off the table, it's gotten a lot harder, but there's a lot of bands that tour regionally around areas that I've never heard of that someone will go, Oh, have you ever heard of this band? No. And I look at them and go, Oh my God, they're successful as hell. <laughs> I've never even heard of this band and they're not, you know, national. Yeah. You know, there's been a lot of that. And there will continue. I think, you know, this situation when you're out, we'll get past it. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. opportunity comes out of stuff like this. And we're seeing who's taken, taken that opportunity. And over the next coming months, we're going to see who was really took advantage of this opportunity to put things together and come out of this with something new. Yeah. Agreed. And we'll see who didn't. True. That's true. I mean, yeah, if you guys are around LA, you have to go check out Charlie Studio, Ultimate Studios, Inc. I love the Inc. Inc. Um, well, you know, that was my, that was always my company name, but the studio in the beginning was called Ultimate Rhythm Studios. Yeah, okay. I'm and, not, okay. you know, because I was, a, you know, mainly a yeah. drummer, but as I got past the drumming thing, I didn't want people to think that that's all I did. And that took yeah. a long time to get past. And also no one knows how to spell the word rhythm. <laughs> and I'm not fucking lying. That was so hard for some people. I'm like, okay, I need to, that, that's got to go. So I just, I took the, what my, my company name was and said, that's going to be that. No, it's good. Like Monsters freaking Inc, man. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like Monsters Inc, <laughs> Ultimate Studios Inc. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then what's your, you know, like your socials and stuff so people can find you. You got your YouTube, right? Yeah. YouTube is Ultimate Studios Inc. And we do a live broadcast every Tuesday where we do uh, different recording stuff. I've guessed like this coming week, I've got a guest come up, Adam Mosley, who's an amazing producer, engineer. He goes back to the early days of Trident Studios in London, worked with Rush, U2, Jeff Beck. Awesome, you know. So we have guests come on. We talk about recording, that sort of thing. We have some music too. Actually, there's a lot of music we're working on because we have a full HD live streaming rig here. We can do That's six so cameras. Cool. So there's a lot, lot, to, lot of news coming out soon with yeah. that. You know, uh, Instagram is Ultimate Studios, yeah. Inc., facebook ultimate studios inc and then there's mine that are just charlie waymeyer on on instagram and facebook so basically just look up I'm ultimate studios too, inc ultimate studios inc and then you pop up everywhere yeah. that's basically what it is <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah cool oh man that's well, so cool i dude i appreciate you coming on the show today um dude thanks for having me man it's been fun you it ask tough questions fun. i love it it's real <laughs> i mean i like the fact that it's real it's yeah you know we don't have to agree on everything we don't have to like everything it's okay it's okay i think a lot of people are scared when they do this kind of thing and you get a tough question is what if you say something that you're you know someone you work with that your fans aren't gonna like you know we weren't up here talking politics or any bullshit like that but you know it's it's okay to 
not like yeah. something sometimes. Yeah, 100%. I mean, yep. or like something of, someone else doesn't like. Yeah, I mean, I've been out of the music business itself for 18 years, um, you know, between writing and playing and everything else like that, it's ever since my daughter was born. Um, and I miss it every day. However, the last three weeks that we've been doing this, this feels like I'm back in it again. And I, <laughs> I'm not, might not be playing my guitar. I mean, I'm going to go upstairs and play my guitar and, you know, calm my nerves because I actually have a comedy show tonight. Um, so I'm, you know, freaking the fuck out about that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, I mean, but I still, I mean, I still play and I'm still very much ingrained in the major mm-hmm. culture. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, so when I said I wanted to do the show, I'm like, I wasn't sitting back and going, do I still remember all this shit? No, I, I definitely still remember all this shit. That's <laughs> like riding a bike, man. It really is. So, I mean, I, I'm glad I could have a, this conversation with you. I'm glad you, you know, accepted the hard question because, some of those questions, like I said, I was you know afraid to ask because you know it could it could it could lead you down a fine line of uh, of hate or love. So <laughs> I you know whatever. I mean, we're seeing a lot of that right now. Things are so de- divisive with everything that. What, I'm, what am I going to sit on the fence? I'm not a fence rider. I've never been good at that. You know, Me some people can ride that fence. I, I take a side. <laughs> then if I learn something new, I'll ta- I'll change my mind. Whatever. But I have an opinion today, change tomorrow. Whatever. Awesome. Oh, and then Charlie, I need a, sh- I need one of your shirts. I realize I don't have one. <laughs> the and Master I want Fader it. shirt. I love it. It's That's so cool. I'm in charge of the volume. Dude, I have a shirt in my closet. I should have worn it. It says, "I'm the- because I'm the boss. That's why." <laughs> so next time I come see you, which hopefully will be soon, we have to talk about that. Yes. I need you to wear that. I'm gonna wear my boss bitch shirt, and then we're gonna take a selfie. <laughs> Hashtag boss bitch. <laughs> Hashtag boss boss ass bitch. <laughs> that's awesome oh well, you guys thanks for having me on this is awesome this has been fun hey well we appreciate you bud if there's anything i can do for you in the future let me know yeah absolutely definitely go check out charlie he's awesome i yes, fully definitely. support it thank you we'll be doing some new vocals soon i know i was gonna say i want this is this is literally why i'm like i need to work with charlie now with like everything in my life because he's just like <laughs> let's go have that, fun it is fun and we're crazy so it'd be fun all right Cool, man. I appreciate you again, dude. You bet, man. Thanks. No problem. Have a good one. You too. All right. Yo. That was fucking awesome. He's a good guy. I'm glad you brought him on. Yeah, no, he's awesome. I love Charlie. He's just like, he's very like, I, I sometimes have to push him to talk more about himself. You know, because, you know, when he was talking about some of the stuff he's done, it's like, I just, he's so freaking immersed in this industry and he knows so many people. And I'm like, I want you to share that with people, but he's so humble. Yeah. And yeah. I love that he's so humble about what he does. Yeah. And he's just really like, we have some stuff that we're going to work on. And, you know, I, I do want to get him to eventually like record me. I'm working on some original music with someone and I'd love yeah. for him to produce it. And yeah. And you even texted me earlier. You're like, I want to lead the interview and kind of, no, you know, that was, help, yeah. And you were wanting to help, you know, bring some of that stuff out. And I could tell it was like, he's not willing to talk about it. He doesn't want to talk yeah. about it because he wants to, but then, so I'm like, and I hated to do it to you because you had, you know, you would, you told me you wanted to lead it, but I was like, I want to get some fucking answers. Out yeah. Of this guy. yeah. <laughs> so I'm no, like, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Cause so, like, I, yeah, I noticed that. Cause with, with him, like with us, he's very different. Yeah. You know, but I think, you know, he knows what this is too and all that. And I think it was good. It was a good balance of conversation. It was, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, people have to check him out. He's like yeah. really good. 
good people, great engineer, great producer, just yeah. really hard worker. But I love asking those questions that make people go, oh, I really don't want to answer that. You know, I mean, especially that whole, you know, that computer fucking warrior that thinks he's making a fucking hit record. You know, what was his opinion on that? And he's like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that he was so honest about that. So yeah. I, I like, I like that kind of shit. And that, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, sit here and play so what's your favorite band right now oh did you like that guitar lick on this song oh that's so wonderful you know i, I am not a terrestrial radio fucking dj or talk ho talk show host that's listen to fucking iheart radio and say no you can't ask those questions or have a pr rep if you if you yeah. say there's a pr rep on the other line that's going to be you know i don't want you on my show you know i want yeah. you to be able to say uh damn it Derek why'd you ask that question yeah and then when you don't answer it and then you kind of say yeah that was a dick move all right I'll give you a partial answer that's what I like too yeah yeah so. yeah yeah no for sure yeah it was cool and like yeah if you ever come out to LA man you have to um definitely we need to go over to a studio and it, Told you. I wish I wish he was able to like I mean you can look up pictures of it I mean it is a nice studio the stuff he has in there like the equipment and just it is top notch and he's produced some really cool shit there and yeah. um i just like hanging out there you yeah. know it's, it's really fun there we just you know well him and i like we've known each other for so long too we're just like little crazies when we get there and jumping around but it's a really comfortable place like if you guys are really looking for a studio that's gonna listen to what you want right not try to change the music yeah. but really cater to what you want as an artist you know he's definitely the guy yeah. to go to because he's not he, he's not trying to like he said he's not trying to you know make make it hit the you know go to that label and do that he wants it to be pure to what the artist wants and i think that's really hard to find yeah now because producers want to mix you and they want to change you and put you in and all this plug in all this shit to make you sound completely different yeah you know i don't want to be i don't want to be fucking ariana grande and no one ever will make me be fucking pop you know, I don't want someone who's going to want to change my sound. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. I had to say that. I, I will fire you. <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't, I've had producers, I've had guys try and sell me songs they've wrote. We think this is a great fit for you. I'm, and I listen to it. I'm like, do you even know me? Yeah. You know, like, do you even know who I am as a person and as a singer? Like, this is not me. And you're trying to make me sing on this track for you so you can have your name under a song I do. Exactly. It's like, no, that is so weird to me. It is. I just, ugh. So definitely. Um, but either way, um, check out Nicole Carson at Nicole Carson underscore on Instagram. Check us out at, at Suck It Podcast on Instagram and on Suck Facebook. It. Suck it. Um, and then Charlie out. you had mentioned, uh, yeah, what's his Instagram again? So Ultimate Studios Inc. Okay. And he uh, also links his Charlie Waymeyer one, but definitely check out the Ultimate Studios Inc. Yeah, I'll be linking both of those to the post. Yeah. But, um, oh, and you had mentioned me coming out to LA. Yeah, um, I, I told you yesterday, we are going to, yep. we're going to fucking hook together a nice party for our birthdays next year because it's my 40th. Yeah. And so, you know, and however old you're turning how old will i be i just turned 33 this year so i'll be, 30 be 34 this year. yeah yeah so and like honestly this year's fucking like we, you know i had um sushi and sake and i got drunk at home and that was my birthday 
and I had a cake for myself. And you know what? That was my birthday this year. Well, so, next year we're going to go party yeah. and we'll invite all of our fans. We'll probably, you know what we should do? I'm going to go ahead and put it out there in the universe. Now we should put out, you should have you guys perform. We should do a, you know, get a, get a venue to where you guys can perform and sing. We'll do a fucking live podcast from the fucking show. I have a venue um, already that'll let yep. me use it. We'll, yeah. we'll, do it so, we'll do it at the whiskey, we'll just, Michael Fields. So we'll just have, we'll do it at the whiskey. We'll uh, schedule a big fucking party for mine and um, Nicole's birthday. Uh, I'll probably bring Cat out there as well and just have a great fucking time. Yeah, Michael Fields, if you're listening, I want him to be on the show at some point as well. Okay. He, um, he does uh, booking for the whiskey. Buddy, next year, April 8th, 9th, whatever that fucking weekend is, I already, I already call the whiskey, so you better leave it for me. All right. So we'll do it on a Saturday. So what is that? Um, hold on. We'll call it right now. Pack that Month. shit up. Um, so April 2021. We'll do it April 10th or 9th. 9th is go. a Friday. The 10th is a Saturday. Um, either one, 9th or 10th. Yeah. <laughs> Birthday party for Nicole and I at the Whiskey in LA. And Let's we're just going to have a fucking great time. We'll have, you know, Nicole will perform. We'll do a live fucking podcast. We'll do a lot of cool shit. And then Gotta I'll start, make that happen. start my condo hunting. <laughs> yeah, because it's going to take about three years to plan that shit, so might as well. Yeah, I mean, I just bought a condo here. I've been here just over a year. Yeah. Save up your money, I'll say that. Well, actually, me and my wife did a little bit of um, a comparison. Where mm -hmm. we live at in Virginia is 100% equal to... What? LA. Ooh, so you must live in a nice really nice area then though we do um yeah. we don't belong in, in this area <laughs> but we live in a nice area <laughs> but you probably also have like a huge house right oh uh, we actually live in a townhouse okay so that's interesting to me i've never heard that i would assume the complete opposite why like where you live is a lot more affordable than la Ooh. well it depends on what part of la you live you're looking at too we just we just um did a generalization okay yeah because it's the thing with la and people who live in la know this the counties are so fucking different like yeah. you can go from one county to another to a one city it's and the, the prices are like this yeah so up and down but i'll tell yeah. you where not to live I'll, when you get closer to that you let me know I'll there's one place i know for a fact it's just north of la that i know for a fact we're not going so yeah uh, <laughs> it begins with a C and ends with an M. Oh, okay, a, yeah. Yeah, we're not going there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say go, stay away from that. We're going to go north of there. Yeah. No, but actually, we're, we're, we're talking about just doing a condo or something like that, you know, getting out of the house life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, because sure. we'll, we'll also have a studio out there and everything else like that, too, so that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, 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 for sure. All right, cool. So, guys, thank you very much for listening this week. Um, again, check everybody out on their Instagram pages, and um, we will be at you again next Saturday. And hopefully, we'll have a big announcement as far as a, a potential guest yep. um, that's coming up soon, which is going to fucking be awesome. And then Monday, Kat and I will announce who we're partnering with as far as for the LGBTQ um, Pride Month. And we have a special guest on Monday who we will announce on Monday on Instagram. So stay tuned for that. But until then, we bid you guys adieu. Fucking keep it heavy. Keep it rocking. Stay heavy and rock. Exactly. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye.